Welcome once again to a Christian and a Buddhist walk into a bar. My name is Jamal and I am a Buddhist. My name is Jacob and I am a Christian. How are you this fine morning, Jamal? Uh, I'm doing well. Um, I am, uh, yeah, I'm doing well. I think I think we're we're hitting a groove on things. Um, so for those of you who don't know, we uh, we, we bank podcasts. Um, so if there's ever anything that comes out that uh, is a little bit out of sync, uh, we tend to do one kind of larger recording session uh, on a less than weekly basis, uh, so that we then don't. Uh, feel the pressure to have to do a recording every week when life gets busy um so yeah uh this is um this is part of it and i feel like we're hitting a good groove and you know i'm enjoying it excellent yes nice um so we've been talking a little bit about how do we uh expand the conversation topics of this podcast outside of just purely christianity and buddhism um Excellent as they both are. Yes, excellent as they both are. Um, all of our topics so far have been either about Christianity or Buddhism. Obviously, that's the area of expertise that we have. Um, but, you know, I, I think it would be a great thing to be able to talk about other religions and other theological thoughts. Um, but obviously, we don't want to do so in a way that is disparaging. We don't want to do so in a way that would... Um, that would that would give any kind of in impression that we we don't have the deepest of respect uh, for lots of, uh, and all other religions, um, and pastafarianism. I think we decided uh, is is enough of a safe place to discuss <laughs> that, that that that's okay. Um, so I've found an article, and, and also just in in a way, sorry Jamal, yeah, please. That um, like we, we've got a, a reasonably deep understanding, I think, of of Christianity and Buddhism in between us. Um, when we when it comes to other religions, it, it's not just a, a question of do we have respect for them and whatever. Like that, just we have much lim- more limited knowledge of the traditions and the history and the background to to all of this. Yes, um, and, and look, and, and this also comes into we would love uh, you, the listeners, to send us articles. Like you know, the, the easiest way for us to engage with an article about a different li- religion is for someone to send it to us and ask us to talk about it, and then yeah. Totally. You know, at least from my perspective, that feels a little safer to engage with. Um, however, for this week, I have actually found an article um, about uh, Judaism and an aspect of Judaism that I think is brilliant. And I think this is a really good first foray into discussing other religions, um, which is to find an aspect of another religion that I uh, that I really quite like or, and, and kind of discuss our thoughts on it and you know, maybe our perspectives on it from a Christian and a Buddhist perspective. Um, so today we're going to talk about uh, an article by uh, Misha, I think it's pronounced, D. Uh, Halpin. Micah. Micah, thank Micah. you. Um, I Yeah, I, I think I don't know why, why I put the shirt on that, see? <laughs> um, and it's called The Art of Debate, Jewish Style. Um, so, Jacob, uh, the... the the Old Testament, the the Jewish books are obviously part yeah, of the, the Hebrew canon. Bible. The Hebrew let's, Bible, let's yeah. call it that. Yeah. Okay, yeah, it's part of the canon of Christianity. Um, how much do you know about kind of those books and how how they work, and then how they they spill into the Jewish tradition uh, as opposed to the Christian tradition? And I guess talk me through where you're coming from from that perspective. Yeah, sure. So the 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 Hebrew scriptures, the, the Jewish scriptures, um, the Tanakh, I think they call it. Um, is forms part the the large majority actually of the Christian Bible as well, um, and is is commonly talked about as the Old Testament. So the the Christian Bible comes in two parts. There's the Old Testament, which is God's story of His people before Jesus, and the New Testament, which is the story of Jesus and God's people kind of after Jesus. 
Uh, and the New Testament covers maybe like 100 years in terms of when it was written. Um, but the, the Hebrew scriptures uh, cover a much longer period of time, like maybe 1,500 or 2,000 years of, um, of time in terms of when they were written, depending on, on how you like to read it. But it, you know, it covers history from creation to the time of Jesus. And are the Hebrew scriptures the word of God as given to the original prophets? So how, how, how is that kind of relationship between God uh, providing a message through those scriptures and what, what does that mean? Yeah, so um, from, a, from a Christian perspective, like they're absolutely, they're the word of God. Um, but they're kind of, they're, they're the word of God, but can only be understood in part without the New Testament. So it's the story of Jesus that brings sense to them, um, that kind of is the key that, unlo- you know, Jesus is the key that unlocks the Old Testament, would be a Christian way of thinking about it, that everything, all of God's relationship with Israel is pointing to what God is going to do in Jesus. Okay. Uh, and so that makes sense of the whole thing, which is, possibly a, a bit of an offensive idea to a Jew, right? Because they would read the same scripture really, really differently because they would, you know, aside from Messianic Jews, which, um, you know, Jews who have, you know, who believe that Jesus was the Messiah, um, they they would read that and go, well, it doesn't point to Jesus. And so they take the same text and might read it quite differently. Mm. Um, yeah, and I think... This is where we kind of get to with this with this article. So, just before we dig into that, do we want to talk just briefly about the structure of the the Jewish scriptures, or we'll leave that for? No, sure, sure. Um, so they they kind of come in three parts because this is probably where um, Christianity does does things differently. Like it maybe maybe Christianity kind of prioritizes the New Testament, um, but it it looks at the um, the Hebrew scriptures and go, well, that's all God's word in different forms, whereas Judaism seems to me to, to place it within kind of three categories. So there's the Pentateuch, which is the first five books, um, which are also called the books of Moses, right? So it's the story of creation and God bringing Israel out of Egypt mm-hmm. and the Red Sea and, and all of this and giving them the law, um, which is so also called Torah. Um, and so sometimes the, these five books are talked about as the Torah. Uh, and that's kind of the core of what it means to be Jewish is people of the covenant people of God's law, which is contained in those five books. Then there's the prophets, which are kind of the story of Israel's history. um, And then also what we might think of as like prophetic words. So oracles and utterances of, you know, thus says the Lord, you should seek justice and love mercy and why are you worshiping idols and all of that. Mm. So the the prophets, which is probably the, the largest portion. And then there's a section called the writings, which are the um, wisdom literature, uh, psalms and spiritual songs and that kind of thing. And so there's those those three buckets, those three categories of scripture amongst which the Torah or the, the Pentateuch is just like that's the highest level that you can have. And there would be some Jews who would say like, you know, that is scripture and everything else is kind of expansions on scripture. Others would say, well, the whole thing's scripture, but this one sits at the top. Some traditions would say the writings are, well, like, they're kind of they're cool and they're interesting, but they're not as inspired as the other bits. So mm. there, there's a different nuance, I think, when a Jew comes to the same scripture than when Christians tend to come to to those scriptures. 
Yeah, and I think, and I, th- I think that so this article talks uh, in detail about uh, essentially what what it says is something that applies to kind of all books of Jewish leanings. But I think specifically the Talmud, which, as I understand it, is kind of a um, uh, I, 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 it falls in that category of the the law, so to speak. It's the, the way you should live and the kind of the how to how to structure society and how to be in the world in line with God's with God's uh, intention. Um, and what I find deeply fascinating about this is that, is it, is that what my career uh, is talking about in this article is the fact that the reader and the fact that for thousands of years the readers and writers of all of the of the Hebrew tradition are active participants in an ongoing debate for these scriptures so that there isn't just this sense of god has said this and now we must do this but it is all interpretational mm-hmm. and it is all something that is discussed and debated and explored and is still constantly being dis- explored so a couple of quotes i want to pull out of the article that i think help really set the scene um for 2000 years jewish discussion debate and dialogue have been manifest through the jewish book traditional jewish debate takes place not in open forums but on the written page Subject matter of the debates, often spanning centuries, converge on the written page. The reader of Jewish text does not simply read words printed on a page. The reader is an active player on the page and within the page and a vocal participant in the conversation. So I think that's a really interesting kind of premise here that the reader of the text is part of the conversation. They're not just listening to the conversation. Um, He then goes on to talk about how it's, you know, a kind of a closest approximation might be how you think of the internet, so, you know, I was listening recently to uh, something around how, you know, the early internet, you had read-only documents and read-write documents, right? And uh, very much from what we can see here, like the, the Jewish texts are read-write documents. They're not things that you just read and consume, but you have the ability to participate and to write and to edit and to, to be involved in that. I think edit is pushing it a little bit far, mm. actually. I think like read-write, yes, but um, I found this really interesting um, piece here where he says uh, there are there are no winners or time limits in these debates. To the contrary, minority opinions are given weight and studied fervently. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this idea that like well, you might add your voice to the page, but you're not going to edit what mm-hmm. somebody else has said yes. about it. And so the, kind of just that meta conversation. I, I yeah. quite like that idea. Yeah. Yeah, and this idea that um. This other one I love is there is never a page one in a, in a traditional Jewish text. <laughs> Texts always start on page two, you know. And I think he's talking about that in this context of Genesis and like the, you know this kind of misconception of you know there is a beginning. It's like well no, this is just when God started doing things. It wasn't that yeah. wasn't the beginning, you know, um, which I find super super fascinating. But um, but yeah, you know that that there are different languages and there are different scripts and there are, you know there's this constant debate that is going on and and i i'm really deeply fascinated and i love this idea that that you know religion is an evolving thing you know um you know if if we want to you know kind of um maybe this is a little bit sacrilegious um but like it's like that to me this reads as this is this this is the first blockchain right like this (laughs) this is the first like yeah you know publicly open kind of ledger of of thoughts and commentary and texts and it's this constant kind of thing and that the that act of debate and the act of disagreement is an inherent part of the religion it is almost a spiritual and sacred thing to do to discuss and argue and disagree and think about it and i mean 
I, I bring a lot of parallels to what we're doing here, right? The whole point of these conversations in this podcast is to discuss and argue and think about things in a way that I feel is um, contributing to our spirituality and mm. to our to our kind of um, engagement with uh, both Buddhism and Christianity from our perspectives. But I, I, I love how a whole religion has kind of taken that and, and gone, yes, this is what we're doing here. It kind of it, it reminds me a little of um, something we were talking about the a, a couple of episodes ago. I, th- I think it was when we were talking about pastafarianism. Mm. That you know, if 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 there is a universal God, if if there is one God, which is you know the the a deep truth of Judaism in the same way as it is of, of Christianity, um, th- and that God can be known, it kind of stands to reason that everybody could experience something of God and have something to say about God that is valid. Um, and so this is partly where we landed there that, you know, I, as, as a Christian, I can learn from people of, of other religious traditions that there, there is some experience of, of God there, some sense of who God is, even if it's, you know, partial and, and incomplete. Um, and that, that, that belongs on the page almost is, is what he's talking about here um, in the Jewish tradition. Yeah, and so one thing I picked up from this, which I'd be interested to see if it's in the Christian tradition, because I think it is in the Buddhist tradition, is I think this this feels to me like it's premised on this idea that the word of God cannot be understood in any one language, right? That 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 like that anything you say or do or write about God is just your human interpretation of it, um, and I think this is really interestingly um, to me one of the things that speaks to this is that. Um, it's this idea that there is, you know, uh, the, the article talks about how if you look at um, the Talmud, uh, actually I'll, I'll quote it, um, the, the Talmud page spans 2,000 years. It is not linear but dialogical. It has a multilinear design in both Hebrew and Aramaic. It is in block Hebrew and in a different script. There is no punctuation, no vocalization, <laughs> right? So, yeah. like, it's just text it's just words that have kind of been <laughs> spilled out onto the page but i think that speaks to this idea that it's like you know you you can't just interpret this through language language is a human construction it's a way that we uh communicate with each other and any attempt that we're going to make to write down what god has said is going to fundamentally be filtered through our limitations through our human kind of cultural understandings and language as a product of culture is all going to have this impact on it and actually the real truth the real wisdom word of god stuff is beyond language it, it's not something that can be captured by language and so trying to present it in a linguistic way is is kind of pointless and almost sacrilegious and so presenting it as well this is just the kind of sentiment of the text that we're getting here and you know here is the word of god but we're, we're not going to punctuate it we're not going to say that you, this word is important or not this is just how I read it and how I how I heard it, I I don't know. I find that deeply fascinating, and and we can talk about this later. But like really linked in with this Buddhist idea of of dharma as a as a thing of truth, as opposed to a um as a specific like um you know I don't know a, 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 as a specific interpretation of that. Man, so much to unpack there. Yeah. So let's we might get to the the Buddhist dharma bit in due course, but just. Firstly, to say, like, yes to that, I've, with one reservation, in in that, um, so for, I, I honestly couldn't tell you about Judaism, but certainly, like, for, for Islam, the word of God is, like, 
here it is in the Quran exactly as it came to the Prophet Muhammad, um, peace be upon him, that, you know, it, these are the exact words. And so as soon as you translate it out of Arabic, it's no longer the word of God in the same sense. It's a translation of the Quran. It's not the Quran itself. And, and Christianity just doesn't have that concept. Like mm. Christianity has always been translated. Like we don't have... Jesus probably spoke Aramaic. Except for when it gets to Latin, and the Catholic Church is the only ones that can do it. Right, now. well, this is the thing, right? Like, that that's kind of a heretical idea, that the you know, Scripture can only Says be the in Lutheran. Latin. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Well, but, like, you know, it, it took it took four centuries, something like that, for the, um, for the, the Church to translate the Scriptures into Latin. Like, Jesus probably spoke Aramaic. We have, like, three words of Jesus in Aramaic, and all the rest of it is in Greek. So already, like in the earliest sources we've got for Jesus' teaching, he's translated. Mm. Um, the, the New Testament writers quote the Old Testament, the Jewish scriptures. So the Jewish scriptures are by and large in Hebrew. And there's bits of them that are in Hebrew that are quoted by the New Testament authors, except they quote them in Greek and they quote them from a known Greek translation mm. of the Hebrew scriptures called the Septuagint, like, rather than quoting them in the Hebrew. Like so, And... And to, to push it further, actually, like I, w- I would say that God translates himself. Um, so the, one of the ways that Jesus is spoken about is as the word. Um, and the, the gospel writer John says um, in, in the preface to his gospel, he says, the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. And we have seen him, you know, we've seen the glory of God. Um and so it's kind of like Jesus translates God into human, but also into a human at a really specific time and place and speaking a specific language and with particular cultural hang-ups or not and and all of that. And so like you, you can't understand God outside of that context, um, outside of the, the limitations of language. And it's almost like, Human understanding is finite, and that's reflected in our language, that our, our language can never quite capture everything that we want it to. Um, and so God kind of condescends to human finitude um, and says, okay, like you, you've, got, you, you've got minds that can't grasp the fullness of everything. So here, I'm going to come in a form that you can grasp and that you can understand. Um, and so there's a sense to which they're... Like you said that God is beyond language in some way. And, and that's, that's kind of true, but also that there, there is language that points to God and that, and that, and that God kind of ends up... If, if, God is the, if Jesus is the word made flesh, then like words kind of can get to who God is, but they can't... You can't then say, oh, look, we found here's the exact words because human experience and culture and everything else is going to change. And so you're going to need new words to grasp the same reality, yeah. later on, which is why the King James Bible makes no sense to us now. Yeah. Right? Well, and, and I think there's an interesting, like, the power of words, I think, is interesting, right? And I think this is, um, this is something that I think you can hark back to in the Brahmanistic and the kind of traditional Hindu religions too, right? Like, there's a, the, the key example you have is Om. Right, like you know, and, and the the new agey hippy dippies have taken it 
whole is, is there actually a god named Om? No. In, oh, okay, no, right. But, right, cool. But, but Om is a I thought sac- it was just Pratchett. Anyway, well, but no, but yeah. Om is a sacred word. Right, right. okay. So, so, so in, okay. in those traditions, Om is a sacred word which creates very specific vibrations in the universe that have sacred properties. Sure. Right? And so Om is something where you, if you chant Om, you know, the, you think about the people sitting around chanting Om, Om. Like, the reason you chant Om is because the specific word of om does something to the sp- the spirits I don't know the spirits but to the universe to the spiritual side of the universe that then has an impact and has a spiritual result um uh, I I don't know exactly what the spiritual result is but um and I think th- that to me is kind of like in line with like the the kind of the the muslim idea of you know the 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 words as written uh, have a kind of a spiritual property and and i guess it's something that i personally just don't agree with right Mm. i i i I don't think that any word is holy right I, i don't think any word can be holy i think words can speak to holiness and words can be very special and spiritual in that they help invoke an understanding of the holiness, but yeah, I, I I don't think a word as said in a specific way itself is holy. It's just about what it, you know, it, it's only holy in so much as that word to you means and holds a particular thing. Which is interesting because like Judaism has this same thing with one particular word that was just held to be too holy to say, which is the name of God, mm. right? Um, which is, Yahweh is the way that it's well, commonly well, stated now. There, there are no vowels, right? It's, it's, it's written as right. But this y- is that block Hebrew yeah, yeah. that they're talking about. Yeah, it's like so. So it's Y H W H in English, um, and um, Jehovah is a, another way that you could potentially vocalize it. But you know, Yahweh is the way it's commonly. Stated. But you you can kind of see throughout the Hebrew scriptures, like the way that the word is used, kind of changing. Like mm-hmm. y- people get less comfortable and less comfortable with the idea of, you know, even writing the the tetragram, it's called the, the YHWH, till, till you get to the time of Jesus and kind of no one says it. They just talk about the Lord because mm-hmm. that's the easy way to talk about God without saying the name because if you say the name, you might say it wrong or something like that. So I I, I want to pivot slightly and, and get, yeah, to sure. this, get to this idea of debate. So yeah. like what, you know, so obviously the article is talking about um, – the fact that debate is a spiritual practice and the fact that disagreement is a spiritual practice. I mean, where does that sit in Christianity as, you know, the, the kind of, you know, the, the, the sacredness of debate? That's a great question. Um, that there's obviously there's theological debates that happen all the time. There are, there are boundaries for them. And I imagine there's boundaries for them in, in Judaism as well. Um, precisely what those boundaries would be in, in Judaism, I'm not sure. That, but Christianity has this um, sad history, shall we put it that way, of kind of shutting debates down. And, um, you know, you, you can see this most clearly in kind of the development of the papacy and um, and the authority of Rome where, like, you know, you wind up with the, the over a thousand years in Western Christianity kind of one guy who, if he says it, like that's that's the way it is. Um, so it's the whilst debates have kind of continued pretty constantly in the church at 
certain times and, and probably for a lot of history, they've been shut down um, in favor of um, kind of a an authoritative view, if you like, or an institutional view is how some people would, would critique it. And do you think that is inherent? Certainly not the same tradition as, we're, as we see here described in Judaism. Yeah, and do you think that's inherent to Christianity? Like, do you think there is something in the religion where, you know, as God is the ultimate authority and cannot be argued with, like that then filters down? I'd, I'd like to say no. Um, but exactly why that's happened in history, like I, I, it, there, are, there are some people who would say, and I'm kind of sympathetic to this, that it's it's not actually a Christian idea; it's a Greco-Roman idea that mm. you know God is the ultimate authority, um, and so you know you, you just you have to get in line with what God's saying, right? But you, in the earliest church, you don't see that to the same extent, and in Judaism, you don't see that to the same extent. And kind of part of what is happening here in the dialogue that um, Micah Halpern is describing. Is, is like God's a participant in that dialogue as well. Uh, and there are parts of scriptures that you could describe as an argument with God. And the, the book of Job does this, mm. you know, par excellence. So th- th- that actually brings me very neatly um, to the, the time a Christian and a Buddhist walked into a You're bar. Welcome. Yeah, thank you. Um, so a, a Christian and a Buddhist walk into a bar and there, there are two rabbis that are having a, a big, uh, you know, religious argument at the bar and they they, they shouting and screaming and, you know, in a very respectful religious way. Um, and so they're, they're debating some you know, scripture thing. Um, and and they, they cannot agree. They, they just cannot agree. They're at loggerheads. And so they, they both they both look up to the heavens and, and call on God to come down and resolve this argument for them and say, God, you know, come down and, 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 and tell us who's right here. So, 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 so God comes down and, right, and, and, he, and he listens to Rabbi A and listens to Rabbi B uh, and goes, well, you know what, Rabbi B, you're correct. Like, yeah, the, yep, no, I, I'm, I'm making the judgment here, you're correct. And Rabbi A, A just throws his hands up in the air and goes, that's just your opinion. <laughs> yeah, and, and I don't get a sense that within the Christian tradition there, there really has been that. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and you, you couldn't make that joke about Christians, I don't think. No, uh, well, well, what I love is the reason you can make that joke about Judaism is because that that works like that you can argue with god you know you that you can well so the the word israel mm. right like it literally translates to the one who wrestles with god like that's mm. the name of god's people the jewish mm. people is israel the ones who wrestle with god well, and I, I think what i love about this so much is that it's a real dedication to the process you know like i i, I think one of the things that i struggle with with a lot of judo christian religions is that there is a known answer, even if you don't know it, right? That that God or Jesus knows the answer, and there, that that it is so goal oriented. It's it's all about getting to the point where you can understand God best, where you can live in line with God. You know, so there is a goal, and yeah. you are always trying to get to that yep. goal. Um, and I think what I really love about this, and what I think it you know really aligns with the, with the Buddhist teachings, is that the goal is actually less important than the process of getting to the goal. That actually the there is, you know, it's almost like that there is no goal or the goal is kind of so unknowable that actually what is holy and what is spiritual is how you get there. And that process of argument and the process of disagreement and discussion 
is a process-based holiness. You know, it, it's yeah, it's it's. I recognize that I'm never going to know the answer, but hey, my contribution to this discussion is actually my spiritual legacy. Well, and and that's where like maybe the goal aspect gets misunderstood a bit, right? Mm-hmm. Because for both Christianity and Judaism, like the the goal is a relationship. Mm-hmm. Actually, like it it's not a understanding in terms of a, a kind of a mental you know, map of you know correct map of reality or, or whatever but it's it's actually knowing God and relating to God well mm-hmm. which which means actually to have a relationship that you can do this wrestling with God stuff it means that God translates himself as I was saying before into a form that can be grasped mm-hmm. by humans and the, the Hebrew word for no um, like in the um, is like a, a an intimate relational mm. word. So um, in in the Old Testament, it's like a um, oh, what do you call it? a euphemism for sexual relationships, right? So Adam knew Eve. It means that you know, well, they got together and then they had a kid, and and that's that same knowledge of humanity and God, that relationship. Mm. Um, yeah. And the the way that I kind of like to to think about this this kind of arguing with God almost in a sense is like if there is a goal for all of creation and humanity we we're talking the last episode on the you know the new creation and, and where everything is headed like well, why is there this suffering now and what is going on and God you have said that you you know God creates everything and calls it good and we look at it and we see a whole bunch of stuff that's not good and so arguing with God about that is actually kind of putting the problem where the problem should be and go, like, God, what on earth is going on? Mm. What are you doing? Um, yeah. and, and Jews probably do that better than Christians maybe. Um, well, uh, but maybe Christians have got a more complete answer because we see Jesus and we go, oh, okay, I kind of I see a bit more. But we can still go, like, God, seriously, what the? Well, as, as as the rabbi would say, that's just your opinion. <laughs> um, I, I, it's easier to argue with God when you come from a religious background that, that has a God. <laughs> well, well, yes, yeah, so, and, and, and I guess this is this is the part of it that I think the Buddhists don't have, but but do have, I guess, in, in alignment with this. It's that you know the Buddha, the Buddha saw Dharma, and, and so I guess I should step back a bit. Dharma as wisdom as truth as the way the world is you know yeah it it just is it, it it's not dictated by anyone it's not you know um it's not some you know there is there's is no god that is saying well this is what it is it's it's just the you know it's essentially just the, the truth of the world and the buddha absolutely saw that interpreted that you passed on a message that was surrounding that um but also like a that doesn't discount any other person from finding that same wisdom and you know the buddhist tradition is very strong in that um you know present day monastics have you know just as much of an opportunity to find the same dharma and the same authority in that dharma as the buddha did you know the the buddha is not a deity there there isn't some set thing and it's essentially it's this whole the whole thing is predicated on this idea that anyone can do that 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 if you just follow the process or engage enough with it or find your own way to do it that you will also access that dharma and you will also access that truth and that you know hypothetically your word could be as authoritative as the buddha's right and so um and and it's funny it's like this is almost a thing of like that you know i think buddhist debate is 
you know, it, it's there. It, it's certainly, I think, maybe more so in the Tibetan tradition, uh, which is quite a scholastic tradition. Um, but it's almost like there's an understanding. Once you understand the Dharma, it's just, yeah, sure, whatever. Like, yeah, you understand the Dharma, there's no need to debate it because you, you, you just get it. So, which is quite similar to your critique of some parts of Christianity before, right? Like that there is, there is a truth that is just there. And once you've kind of got a grasp on that truth, there's nothing more to be said. Yes, except for the fact that I think the the interpretation of that truth is like so I, I think I think the key difference is is that in Buddhism the truth is knowable to an individual and that any step before that the interpretation and the debate and the disagreement is actually a key part of getting to that truth right so 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 I um, kind of in a Hegelian thesis antithesis yeah sense? yeah and and like I correct me if I'm wrong here but my understanding would be that you know that it's kind of impossible for a human being who is not Jesus to um, actually understand fully the word of God or to completely, like, to experience it and get it and have that level of yep. knowledge. Um, whereas Buddhism says, well, no, 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 anyone can do that, right? So so, so there's like, okay, you rule out the fact that some people can get there, but, like, anything prior to that, as you're in the process of meditating and working through that and understanding that, that that, you know, it's almost like you're in debate with yourself, right? The, the art of meditation is this kind of Jewish debate, but it's your internal debate with yourself and with your own habits and with your own kind of uh, tendencies. Um, so, you know, yeah, I, I, I do see a lot of alignment with the, with the Buddhist process and with this kind of... Um, so it's it, kind of your own questing after truth, Yeah, if you like. Yeah, yeah. And, and one of the... So I know we're kind of running short on time, so I'll, I'll wind this up, but one of the things that I find super... Um, linked in with this is this um, the Buddha's idea of Kalyanamita, which is a spiritual friend. So the Buddha is quoted as having said, being asked, you know, how important are spiritual friends to the path? Uh, and the Buddha say, says, or I, th- I think the exact question was, how much of the path is having spiritual friends? Mm-hmm. And the Buddha says, it is the whole path, right? And and I think th- this is taken uh, as as a really big driver for why monastic communities are so important. Um, but there is absolutely this idea that pursuing the Buddhist spirituality with others and with people who you can discuss with and with people who you can work with and meditate with and disagree with and and kind of go through that process with together, that, that act of interaction is a really key part of the process. And that you, it's almost like, you know, yeah, sure, you can go, to, go be a hermit and go meditate by yourself and do it, but like that's so much harder than being part of a community that is going to engage in that yeah. with you and and that and that that process of 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 people coming together and and discovering the dharma together is really critical which i think this kind of this art of debate jewish style is talking about which is a deeply christian idea mm-hmm. as well in but but with a twist in that um you know if if people are created in God's image. And I don't know what the Orthodox Jewish, how they kind of unwind this idea, but that, that, that same idea that people are created in God's image. And so therefore we can kind of represent God to one another and to all of creation mm-hmm. as it happens, but that um, God might speak to me through another individual. And in fact, actually, if you go through all of scripture, it's God speaking through people yeah. in language with concepts and ideas um yeah yeah interesting it's not a disembodied voice from the cloud 
Generally. Generally. There are, there are a couple of very notable exceptions. Until the booming voice comes down. Well, thank you very much for this discussion, Jacob. I found it super interesting. Uh, we'd love to hear how you found it, dear listeners. Uh, we can be contacted at christianbuddhistbar at gmail.com. We certainly can. Our music today, as always, is by the wonderful Kevin McLeod. Thank you, Kevin. And look, if you are enjoying the podcast, uh, please recommend it to a friend. Uh, pass on the word. Uh, the good word, the holy word um, of a Christian and a Buddhist walk into a bar. We'll see you next week. Thanks.